Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health podcast. We aim to inspire and educate our listeners through engaging conversations on all things health and fitness, mindset, business and philosophy. My name is Martin McPhillamy and I'm your host and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello guys, I just want to say I'm really appreciative to all of you that listen into this this uh, each week because I do get a similar amount of listeners every week, so that to me suggests that there's certain people that are watching it. I, I don't think it's just a fluke that the numbers are almost exactly the same. Um, so if you are listening in, in, in uh, if we don't know each other, please reach out because I'd love to, to know my listeners because I generally don't know who tunes in. Or if you're a friend of mine, whether that be in, in the UK, the other side of the world, uh, in, in England, just reach out to me on my on my social media or you know Instagram, which is Martin McPhillamy, just like the, the name. And just let me know you're tuning in because I was nothing more than I'd just be able to Get to know you so I can, if I have anything that I can offer in terms of value to you, I can then do this through my means of podcasting so I can get that out to the rest of the world as well. So I really appreciate that. Um, today, I was, gonna, I was thinking of maybe doing some slight different formats. Now, doing podcasting, honestly, is pretty challenging. It's um, it's more it's a lot of, it's a lot of work because if you do want to deliver a value, then you have to kind of know your subjects and and really know the depth of it. Unless I'm doing an interview style uh, podcast, I find the interview ones easier because it's just generally having a conversation. And during those conversations, you kind of know the experts or the individuals' field of expertise, and you can ask the questions that you just want to know purely through curiosity. Now, curiosity with yourself is a bit more challenging because. If when you're going through curiosity with yourself, with your own thoughts, that's more of a reflective practice. And that's often very personal, very individual. However, um, if I'm going to do this properly and do this podcasting thing properly, it would be good for you guys to actually get to know me and you kind of get to be able to read about my psychology. So I thought what I'll do is I'll still have maybe one a month where it's an educational focused a uh, po- podcast. Every other week is still going to be interview format, but then I'm going to add in a reflective practice. And that's just basically going to be me talking about my my week, how I felt, how I feel I can improve, what I can improve, and generally with my, uh, I guess, sitting with how emotionally I'm feeling and perhaps reading into my own psychology a little bit. Um, Hey-ho, it might be a bit fun. I have been reading uh, Jung for the last two or three years, Jordan Peterson. Uh, now, I've got into the psychoanalysis a fair, fair bit. And can you really do self-psychoanalysis? Uh, to an extent, there's always gonna you're always gonna have that cognitive bias, and you can have the bias and that pulls you towards the the ego even more, which is challenging because you don't know whether that's just ego inflation or whether it's coming from your true self, which is a whole other minefield. Anyway, um, where did the idea of the reflective practice come from? Well, for those of you that know me, um, for those of you that don't know me, every Thursday I go to a group. Um, breakfast and at that breakfast the purpose of that breakfast and purpose of that group is is to have like-minded individuals who want to improve and better themselves um, and to to have open conversations who can trust each other and to to help build each other up and and challenge each other now you know the, the value of that challenge is to be truthful and to come from you know a place of love and and so just to be childlike and, and curious and, and allow whatever comes up in your intuition to be able to speak that. Now, that's a challenging thing to do, but with practice, you can learn how to do it. And it was pulled up this week that we've a lot of us have fell off 
the uh, doing the inner work. Now, what do I mean by doing the inner work? I mean by doing this sort of thing, being reflective, doing meditations, you know, writing a journal, those sort of things, um, they, they help develop you the most because it gets your thoughts and gets your emotions and gets your patterns that you're living in out onto a piece of paper so you can look at it objectively with like as, an, as a third person to then change the narrative that you, you're kind of creating in your, in your mind because essentially that's all we are. It's, we're, just, we're, we're stories bounded from the truth or the, what we believe be the, to be the truth from the association we have with the external world i.e people reactions to then how we feel that and that that then shapes our behavior in the world and our behavior essentially is then shaped through our value systems and our and um no what we've generally seen experienced so when you can put an experience onto a piece of paper and look at it from a different angle you're no longer in the story and you can step out you can step away from the emotions you can detach from that and then you can be more objective and go, okay, are these thought patterns or is this behavior that I'm, I'm, I'm currently doing, is this serving me? If it, if it is, then great. You then have to reward yourself somehow or you know, keep moving forward, set yourself some more goals and keep going. Or you have to challenge it and say, no, this behavior isn't serving me. So when you can reflect and you can look at that, you, know, you can look at your ability, your behaviors, whatever they're serving you, you can, you can start to burn off the, the parts of you that are not allowing you to flourish and be your best self. And that is what reflective practice is for. And I'm going to try and do a bit more of that on, on, on here. Now, obviously, that means being very vulnerable to an audience who I don't know is tuning in. Um, however... I do need to have a some form of structured reflection because um, although I am an individual who does think through his own thoughts, I often don't get them down or I don't speak them, communicate them enough. So what I'm going to do is um, once a month, I'm just going to be popping onto here and I'm going to be taking you through a bit of a journey with that. And... Um, to be fair, I've always been a little bit of a reflective individual. Um, stems from being a, um, a, 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 I guess, when I was younger, I, I loved sports. I really was really competitive. I um, you know often when I would play a, a, a game and I lost, I would go home and I'd really, really think about my performance and you know it would keep me up at night. Um, and and you know me and friends would would speak about it and that that kind of that kind of led on to how I focused on my study. If I didn't do too well on an exam, I would uh, really, really look at why, what was my, you know, what, what behaviors did I do? How much effort did I put in? Um, you know, what, what, I, what distractions were about all that sort of stuff. I'd look at and go, okay, what do I need to do to improve next time? So I've got this continual improvement um, uh, part of me that wants to always be a little bit better. Uh, sometimes it's a, a bit of a double-edged sword because you know, you're always trying to achieve something. You're like, what's next? And that might stem from a place from a, uh, well, it does stem from a place of not feeling like you've achieved enough, which is you now it's it's a negative anchor point. Um, but then, you know, rather than looking at it from a place of love and just doing things to enjoy it, be doing it for a necessity to feel validated by the achievement, um, rather than just doing something that you love, that's a different story. Um, but it makes a difference to, to how you're going to feel in the long run. So, um, 
Yeah, I remember when I was, maybe this was what, back in 2015 when I was doing my um, scientist training program. So so when I graduated from school, uh, some uni- sorry, not school, university, so I went to Nottingham Trent University, did a sports science degree, then did a research master's in respiratory science in, um, and exercise physiology. Uh, and I did a, a fair bit of research on looking at inspiratory muscle training, which is a, um, a method of improving the efficiency of the respiratory muscles so that you can increase um, the amount of blood flow that goes to the legs during exercise and post-exercise. So you, therefore you can increase recovery by improving breathing efficiency. Uh, just in case anyone wants to know any more about that, I actually have some equipment here to help you with that. So if you're an athlete or you're looking to improve your breathing, your lung function, I can help you. Please reach out. Um, but then what I did is I went on to, um, a, a what we would call like a, a graduate training program in a way. It, uh, that's, that's, that's how I can kind of phrase it. So the national school of healthcare science were investing a lot of money into bringing young, uh, uh academic individuals into the sciences in healthcare in hospitals, because they found that there was a bridge to gap between the doctors and the, the nurses, uh, for advanced scientists, but also because they realized there was a lot of researchers that are retiring soon within the next 10, 15 years that are very, very smart, but there's not many people that have been pulled into the healthcare because nowadays all graduates, they go to uh, you know the STEMs or like the law school or finances and, and that sort of stuff. But also universities have grown obviously the opposite way, but the, the, the top kind of um, smartest individuals were going down that route rather than into sciences. So they've invested a lot of money into that and made like a three-year training program it's paid. You do another master's it's with, with some of the best universities uh, that you, the UK has to offer. I was at Newcastle University, which is one of the red bricks, which was fantastic. Had learned from some amazing lecturers and some amazing doctors. Uh, but a part of like that was all um, uh, a part of one of the modules that was looking at yourself as a reflective individual and looking at reflective practice. And I learned how to reflect. Uh, during that period because I had to delve into it. But I always remember that I wrote up my uh, my paper talking about me being a, an athlete and where that came from and, and how my current process kind of relates to the processes that's, that looks within the, the literature and the healthcare literature for reflective practices for like nurses and doctors and science scientists and stuff like that. And you do, as, a, as, as any kind of... Um, individual who wants to better themselves, whether that be you're a doctor, whether it be you're an athlete, whether that be that you're just a you know better father, better 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 mother, better daughter, you know any anything that you want to just be more improved, you have to look within, and um, just small things like uh, let's 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 give you a story for example. So there was two stories that I spoke about during this reflective practice uh, paper that I put out, and the first one was that on my very first day. Uh, training uh, or the very first day that I was actually allowed to go um, and do some lung function tests which are basically like breathing tests that you do at the doctors you know more advanced things to look at uh, the different segments of your lungs and how big they are and how efficient they're working and how much air you can get in and out and how much you can ventilate um, to look at you know, particularly different types of lung diseases for people with breathing issues now that was one of the major tests that we do as a respiratory scientist in health in healthcare um, and I, I was just given my f- you know, my green pass to go on my own without without anyone kind of supervising me. So I was pretty excited. And I remember I had this guy come in 
He was about six foot two, and no, no, no word of a lie. He was he was two hundred kilos. Now he was a big, big guy, and he wasn't very pleased. He was okay well, to begin with, but when I took him through to the room, I asked him because with um, I asked him to get his height and weight. Now, in respiratory science, the taller you are, the bigger your lungs are. So getting height is very very important getting accurate is important because it makes a difference to uh, the predicted values for some for, for your lung capacity for example because it's a big part of it's a big contributor to to the differences between the populations uh, that we see and the sizes and efficiency of the lungs height is a big thing but weight also is as well so getting those accurate pretty uh, no, it's 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 what it's drilled into you essentially. Like every single one of my competencies was ensuring that you get height and weight accurate. Every single one of them. And what happened was when I asked him to get onto the scales, he said to me, "I'm 201 kilos this morning." I was like, "Okay, thank you." Um, no, we've just always been taught that no, these scales are uh, really accurate scales. Would you mind if you just jumped on, please, just quickly, so I can get your weight? And he went, "No." So I've just told you my weight, so I don't need to get on the scales. And I was like, okay, that's that's all right. And he's like, I've got a 200-pound pair, pair of scales at home. I know it's 201 kilos, um, so I'm not getting on your scales. I was like, all right, okay, let's, we'll just take that and we'll, um, we'll go with it. And then the whole way through, the whole way through testing it. Now I'm with this guy for 45 minutes, maybe, no, even an hour at that point. Cause I used to be, that was when I first did them. I did them an hour and he was just the most arrogant, annoying, like horrible person to, to test. Every, whenever I asked him to do something, it was just like sighing. Like it was like the most, it was the hardest thing for him to do. And he was like, how long, how long have we got left? And just asking these questions. And they're like, how much is this equipment? And when I say, uh, oh, it's about 40, 50,000 pounds. He was like, well, I'll have two of them. I'll have one upstairs and one I've downstairs. Just an arrogant arsehole. And then, um, yeah, so that was like something that I really reflected back on in this in this journey, in this, um, you know, reflective piece. And, and one of the things was, is like, I took, uh, no, I, took, I was really pissed off and angry and kind of just annoyed and like also like a little bit upset. And I was like, fuck, like this guy's just treating me like shit. And that was the first kind of um that reaction that I kind of had to it. And it really got to me. It's like, why was this guy like that? But then when I did the reflective practice, it allowed me to step out. And I looked at him from his perspective and he's like, okay, well, he's actually a 200 kilogram guy. He probably has takes so much shit about his weight or hates himself so much because of his weight. I've just asked him to get on the scales. I've triggered him. And that's caused the reaction to, not to me, but to his own guilt or shame around his own weight to then not want to get on that scale in front of me. Maybe also because I'm a fit athletic guy, therefore showed him a mirror, showed him what he would potentially would rather be. And he didn't like that because he was, you know, he's known for probably being like a wealthy individual and he's got his status from being powerful and large and stuff like that. He's, he's then not, he's felt humiliated by the fact that me, as a 22-year-old you know, fit young guy, is asking me to get onto the scales when he's embarrassed about it. And when I could look at it from that angle, it completely changed how I felt. Now, so that's the power of uh, reflective practice. You can step out and you go, okay, what, what, what narrative am I going to tell myself that 
when I read back to it, does that help the process? Does it make you understand the process or does it make you, are you able to empathize the process to then step away and be able to pull away out those, the emotions that you were feeling to then continue to live your life without having to worry about that? Pretty powerful stuff. But also one of the, um, no, one of the, uh, one of the second stories that I reflected on was my first ever time that I saw a, uh, saw, saw surgery. Now, as a part of my team, um, I was, it was like an additional member to the team. So I was a supernumerary. I was an individual who didn't really have like a job role within the team that I worked with in the hospital. But um, I was like, no, I was, I was specialized in that area, but I got the freedom to kind of pick and choose my own journey in terms of when I studied, when I kind of worked um, in the clinics, when I did, and, and, and when I went off to see things and when I went to research, I just had to make sure that I was, you know, made my, my team members aware. So when I was on cardiac placement, um, my role was to pretty much just be able to, or my competencies were to be able to do ECGs, um, to be able to do halter monitors, to be able to 24 monitors, blood pressure, and then how to um, uh, basically measure the heart using an echo, uh, which is an ultrasound. And that was my competency. So it was reasonably good. However, I got to explore other parts of cardiac. So I was often in the theaters doing um, what we call angiograms, where they put they put um, uh, um, stents up the up the and cameras, x-ray cameras and stuff up the um, uh, arteries, uh, you know, whether it's through the hips or through the elbow, uh, through the arteries there, through the wrist, up into the heart, and that's where they can kind of look at the heart and they can open things up. But anyway, I remember going in one day and Andrew, the boss who was there, he said to me, he goes, do you want to see a surgery? And I was like, Wow great yeah like there's a guy who's having a triple heart bypass and i was like cool all right when it's like he's just came in now he's downstairs i was like oh okay that's um a bit of an ask i haven't really had a match a chance to really think about that and prepare but i'm keen yeah um so he goes right you need to go down to the surgery place it's near the you know it's down the uh, corridor down this way um blah, blah, blah. you'll find it just say who you are i've already explained that you're coming down and um, you, you'll be taken through. So there's me walking down. Now I'm getting a bit of, um, uh, heart's getting a bit racy because I'm like, okay, I'm about to see someone being opened up and their chest being opened up and I've never ever seen this before, but I'm really curious and interested. Um, and then when I kind of get there, I get through and I've like, you know, just got ID and I can somehow, I don't even know, my my tag ID managed to get me through to the, the actual, the surgery doors. And then someone let me through and they were like, oh, who are you? I just explained who I was and that I was coming to observe and that I was just a, you know, a part of the National School Health School Scientist and this is what I'm doing. It's a part of my placement. They're like, yep, cool, come through. Um, like, you know, you won't be touching anything or anything like that. So uh, just make sure you've got your gloves on and, you know, you've got scrubs, don't put any of your clothes, take everything off, blah, 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 blah. Um, and put your, make sure you've got your, your Crocs on and stuff like that. And they quickly just show me what to do and they said, come on through. So there I am, all of a sudden stood over this guy. Now this guy who was on a, could have been the same guy to be fair, he was probably about 200 kilos on his back. Um, he was already out when I got in there, they were just about to start. And um, you know, I was standing above his head with where the anesthetist would be. And the, you know, they start to get going and all of a sudden the surgeon just looks at me and 
kind of he just he asks for something or asks what the blood pressure is or or some you know he, he asks a question to me and he didn't know who I was and he assumed or I assumed that he assumed that I was uh, the anesthetist and I was like oh, I'm just um, now I've just come to observe today I'm actually not part of the team don't want to get in the way and he was like okay okay cool and he said can someone get me X Y Z come and got it and said so he was like cool he goes have you ever been to um, surgery before and I was like. No, no, it's the first time. He's like, okay, has anyone kind of um, talked you through what we're going to do just to see whether you're okay with it? And I was like, no, I just got asked whether I wanted to see a surgery and here I am. He's like, okay, well, just be careful because quite a few people um, pass out. I was like, nah, it's like, I'll be good. I'll be fine with that. That's absolutely fine. Of course, I won't pass out. He's like, yep, if you just feel woozy, make sure so you tell someone so they can get in a chair because we don't, the last thing we want you to do is fall over and pass out on, on top of the guy when I've got you know, a knife near his heart or anything like that. I'm like, okay, I will. Yep, that'll be fine. And now if any of you have seen, uh, a, a, I don't know how many of you would have seen a live heart bypass, they've got to get through a lot of skin, especially in a guy who potentially could be 200 kilograms. There's a lot of fat to get through. Now, whenever you cut yourself with a little blade, you kind of bleed a little bit. Now, so you'd expect there'd be quite a lot of blood, but to get over that, they actually cauterize the skin at the same time they're cutting it. So they burn the skin to mount it so it doesn't bleed. Can you imagine what it smells like to have this cauterized smoke come off in a guy who is potentially 40% fat, which is more than a Pringle, roughly. And if you've ever burnt a Pringle, they just sizzle and light up and they leave a horrible smell. Now, this smell, to me, it's going to sound like the most crazy, disgusting thing, but it smelled like bacon. And I was confused. (laughs) I didn't know whether to have had my mouth water or whether to be like, hey, this is a burning guy that's passed out that's about to have a heart attack well had a heart attack so anyway yeah that was a bit of a a, a confusing moment but no of course i wasn't kind of like it'd be great to eat that it was kind of just a real real strange moment for for a second but anyway uh, you know they insane what they do They're, they're really not when they're trying to get into the chest, they've got to get these bones open. So they've got like a, you know, once they get down to the bone, they've got a big saw that comes in, they get a clamp in there. It's like, you know, it's like a bloody, you've got a mechanic on a car or something that's just trying to open you up and just get to the bloody, get to the bloody valves somewhere. He, they were generally like that. And then the surgeon's nowhere to be seen and he comes back and all of a sudden, you know, the major heart surgeon, it's all, it's all his little team that do all that bit. But then when it actually comes down to getting the actual vein, changing the vein over in, in the, the artery, um, they are next level. Like their ability to keep their hands still. Like fuck, man. Like I, I was, I was shaking just watching. Now this guy comes in and he's got like pretty much one or two little, it's, you know, one or two mils just to kind of cut through, and he just nails it first time. And I'm like, geez, you know, does both. They get this vein out the bottom of the leg, swap it over. You know, the heart's the heart's been stopped. There's blood pumping around the body because he's got like a um, a pump that's an external pump that keeps the blood flow going through the body. You know he's cooled down to keep keep cool and all sorts of stuff like this. And you know, everyone's just great going about their day. Probably takes about 
I'd say about an hour and a half in total, an hour and a half, an hour and 45, maybe nearly two hours to do uh, three different arteries. It might have been two, but it was crazy. The following day, he was up walking and out. They were like, well, it wasn't out, but they were like, right, we need to get you on your feet straight away. Um, and what I learned from that is the literature that it suggests that as soon as you get someone up from surgery, you've got to get them moving straight away because you want to get the oxygen around, you want to get blood around, you want to keep up there. You want to get their heart working essentially as soon as it can because it just helps to build the muscle, helps to keep them um, uh, less depressed. It helps their strength. It helps them recover. And when they're at home, people recover faster than they do recover in a hospital just because they're in an environment that's familiar, they sleep better, they're fed better and all that sort of stuff. So, But getting to reflect on that moment I reflected on that moment where I first had that smell because it was the most out strangest phenomenon ever or thing to witness um, that I understood why many so many people would pass out. I didn't pass out. I felt fine um, after a little while. I did actually start to feel a little bit dizzy near the very beginning, but it was more to do with the fact that everyone was just kind of like staring at me all of a sudden going, you've never been in surgery before. And it, like, it was silent. I was like, what do I say? Do I lie and say, yeah, I'm okay? Um, so that was just, um, yeah, another opportunity to get us reflect on. So I'm just going to be doing more reflective stuff. Um, this is all it's going to be today. Just to outline, uh, you know, what I'm going to be doing once a month and I hope you guys get something from it. So like I say, um, uh, now I'm, I'm appreciative of all of you. Please reach out, please, please. And also if you are listening and you want to support me in any way that you haven't already done so, please jump onto Apple Podcasts or Spotify or somewhere that we, you can just get, give, give me some kind of rating or some feedback because it's, uh, I want to improve. I want to improve. And some educational ideas. Thanks for tuning in and listening.